Alright, we're set and we're ready to go. There's two primary passages we're going to look at today, if you want to. You can turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 6 or 7, right around that area. And as you're doing that, um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about how this series came to happen and why we're looking at this steadfast in the faith of Adonai or in God. Really, I had somebody tell me, you know what, it's always good to go over things again um, because we were talking about where we were back in 2001 when Bruce was just starting out with the Disciple Center and what we were going over. And so it reminded me that we are looking at the next generation of the adults. And so I started to think about how to form this series. And it became a a series talking about the next generation. And so kind of going back to our roots in this process and looking at that. And the steadfastness is really looking at the parents of this next generation. But at the same time, these kids can take this faith on in this way that I talk about today because when we are steadfast in God, it impacts the relationships we have. Now, if you think about it, we are creatures of habit. One, I get really nervous when I'm up here. And so you may see me pause. I told myself today I was going to pause if I needed to um, to stop that anxiety and give you everything that I've thought of. But it just never comes out what you want it to when you're standing up here. You get really nervous. And so, um, that's okay. Anyways, we're going to look at a few passages, but if you're over in 2 Chronicles, that's great. But I'm still going to go on. Think about the things that depend on us. Now, some of you, um, you know that I like using things to make sure you're aware of what we're talking about. So things that depend on us sometimes are pets, right? Some of us have dogs. And so um, pets depend on us every day to feed them, to care for them, to love them. And they get used to the same type of routine. How many of you drink coffee? You get used to that coffee, right, every day. And if you don't have it, your body makes sure to tell you, hey, you didn't give me something. So some people have dogs. Some people have horses. Different things. But those things depend on us. I will even go as far as to say some people may not have animals, but they have plants. And so plants rely on us, gardening. And sometimes we're not the perfect person for plants. That's why we would go to Kim Maelstrom, because she is a plant angel, because she makes things work. And so, But what do plants need? They need water. They need care. And so... But most of all, our children need us as well, right? And so, um, some of us have children, most of us have children. If not, then you still influence my child because they get used to you and your habits and your, your behaviors as well when they see you here on Sundays. Or maybe we want another a little bit more and they may see you on Sabbath or throughout the week, <clears throat> depending on those relationships. So, but they can tell you what your patterns of behaviors are. Are you walking according to the scriptures? You see, it's our patterns of behavior that tell people if we're a believer or not. 
God calls us to Himself. In the Scripture, we rely on Him not moving. Somebody asked me in this series, are you ever going to point out that our relationship with God ebbs and flows? That is a constant. But He is steadfast. He is always in the same place, always there for us. In um, Psalm 91-2, through two, it says, Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before our mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That is a comfort to most of us. If our children see us day after day talking about the scriptures, trying to read it to them, they know that we go to church on Sunday. They will know where you are every Sunday, even after they move out. That's an important part. Because they're going to have their own life journey. They're going to go out into the world. And if they know where you stand and what you do, then they're going to know that you walk with God all the time. Have you ever had somebody at work come to you and tell you, Hey, I'm having a rough time. I'm going to need your prayers through this journey, through the next few months. That is a blessing. Have you ever had a cousin or a relative tell you, Hey, I need you to pray for me. That tells you you're leading a life for God. Because those people have seen that in you, and you're being steadfast. And whenever you go off the path, they're very surprised by it. But I'm telling you today, when our children go out, and they sway to the right or to the left, They're going to know that you stand firm. And that's a comfort knowing that they can come back to you because of that grace that Sam talked about um, with God. We need to take that same characteristic of God knowing that He's steadfast in His ways and where He stands. We should also be standing close so our children know where to always find us. That's why we'll look at the prodigal son in a little bit. But you're in 2 Chronicles. We're going to look at that. A leader of the people, Solomon, is establishing a place for God here on earth that David wanted to do, but David wasn't allowed to. And he's finishing this temple up. And you can see a man after God's own heart. And he's very humble. I want you to hear this as we read through. It's going to be 2 Chronicles 6. As I start this passage in verse 18, you can hear the words of Solomon being humble before God that his dad, his father David, had brought him up in. And when our children go astray, they need to know, they need to have that humble heart that they can come back to us. But we also as parents have to know that we can't always chase them. We have to let them go make their own mistakes. But... Solomon here, he starts to um, pray as he is setting aside this prayer before the inauguration of the temple, if you will. And so in verse 18 of chapter 6, it says, But will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less is this house which I have built? Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to listen to the cry 
to the prayer which your servant prays before you. Father in heaven, look. Everybody looks to Solomon. He's a king. He's a leader. Listen, Lord. I am responsible to you. Do you hear that in these words? That's what I'm hearing as I read through this passage. Nothing can contain him, but he is going to dwell with them. Picking up again. To listen to the cry, to the prayer which your servant prays before you, that your eye may be open toward the house day and night, toward the place of which you have said that you would put your name there, to listen to the prayer which your servant shall pray towards this place. Listen to the supplications of your servant and your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from your dwelling place from heaven and hear and forgive. Wow. Lord, If that's why some people go, why do you always face east? Well, east is the way to Jerusalem. I can explain to them that it's from this passage here that we look and we pray in that direction. And it talks about it right there when they face and turn that way. He goes on in verse 24. If your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you and they return to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication before you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel. Bring them back to the land which you have given to them and to their fathers. Wow. So, if it's not raining and it's not, they're taken out, they lose, it's because of, it's pointing here, it's to their sin, to their detriment. But if they turn back to you, please, Lord, forgive them in this way. In verse 26, it goes on, When the heavens are shut up, and there is no rain because of they have sinned against you, and they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants and your people Israel. Indeed, teach them the good way in which they should walk, and send rain on your land which you have given to your people for an inheritance. I'm telling you right now, my friends, that California needs to repent of its sins. It needs to turn back. You're seeing the fires everywhere. But at the same time, we're not the holy, the holy land. But there is a reason why God shuts up the rains and turns them off from His people when they are sinning. They don't see the blessings. It's hard to harvest fruit. It's hard to harvest vegetables if you don't have the rains from above. You see, God is always there. We can always turn back to Him if we go astray. His grace and His mercy are abundant every day and every morning. But we cannot take advantage of it. Moving on, 32 through 33. I love this passage because it talks about us as the Gentiles. King Solomon was talking about the foreigner right here. It says, also concerning the foreigner who is not from your people Israel, when he comes from a far country for your great name's sake and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray towards this house, then hear from heaven, from your dwelling place, and do according to all 
for which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel, that they may know that this house which I have built is called by your name. If we are steadfast people and we are praying to God and we acknowledge Him in all of our ways, He will set our path straight. And when we do that, people, if we talk to our colleagues, if we talk to our friends, and we're doing this day after day after week after month after year after year after year, they will know we are praying and we are talking to the Lord and they will start to ask us to pray for them because they may not have that relationship in that way. And in the schools, trust me, it is different. And I just had a colleague not too long ago say, I need your prayers through this journey. I know I'm walking and I'm talking in a way when people will come to me knowing that I will pray for them. All right. God's response, however, comes from Second Chronicles. Chapter 7, 12 through 16. So we have Solomon here. He's petitioning the Lord. Okay, we set up this house. Please, Lord, if people will just turn from their sins and turn back to you or turn to this place, even the Gentile, then hear them, O Lord, and allow them to be blessed by you, right? Forgive them their sins. 12, 16 of chapter 7. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Interesting. Sounds a lot like Egypt and what they went through there. And yet, he goes on, and my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house, that my name be may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Forever. He's always going to be there. He's always there to listen to us. I love how God is just always there. I also love how Solomon petitioned to, for God to hear us when we cry out, when we humble ourselves, when we do away with that sin and we come back to Him. And the perfect illustration comes from Luke 15, the prodigal son. You hear a lot about the two sons in this and that way, but I thought to myself as I was preparing this, and talking about the next generation and teaching them God's ways, there is a way for the parents to stay steadfast. Even if they have to let their children go out into the world and experience it, those parents should be steadfast and praying and dropping to their knees even more than before. Because some children will not always walk that righteous path. They have to test their faith by those, the world's ways at times. And so we look at this passage here in Luke 
15. Making sure I'm at the right place. There we go. It establishes the characters or the people in this parable. He said, a man had two sons. So we have the father and we have two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. You're, you're going to die someday. Some of this plot of land's going to be mine, but you know what? Just give me the money for it. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Interesting. A father that trusts in the Lord. I would have told him, good luck, you're not getting it until I'm dead. And then your, your attitude, right? My way would be, well, with that attitude, you're not getting anything. So here you go. You have nothing. But in this parable, he gives him his half or his part, portion, after he's, the father is going to die. And he sends him on his way. Or he takes off. He didn't send him on his way. He went off. And he squandered it. There is going to be an attitude. I have sat with family and with friends at times. I have been there when uncles dried out on drugs and seen what happens. And yet I've also seen family members take advantage of other family members or parents because they don't have a humble heart whenever they come back. And yet we see, according to the book of Chronicles, there needs to be a humbleness and a turning away from your sin and repenting of your sin. And so, you're going to see that exactly in this passage. It says, And not many days later the younger gathered everything, and he took off and squandered his estate. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. He began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Remember, Nick was just talking about trying to take care of other people. And how you can't really, if you're needing to be cared for, you can't have a, a, an uplifted attitude. You have to be very humble in that way. And this young man, he wasn't going right back to his daddy. He had already taken his wealth that he was going to get when his dad died. So he wasn't going back, but he sold himself into slavery. So God let him go through this process. And sometimes, our ch- hopefully, none of our children have to go through this process. But if they do, know that God can work through that muck and that mire. And He would have gladly filled His stomach. That's how bad it was. He would gladly have filled His stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to Him. He couldn't get anything. But when he came to his senses, get that? He's down, he's out, nobody's helping him. He can't even, he was ready to eat with the pigs. But when he came to his senses, click, hey, come back to me, God's saying. How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up, go to my father, And will say to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. It's a very humble way to think about that. So he goes, he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now I want you to get this, okay? He's gone away. His father, what's he doing? He's doing the same thing he's always done. He's farming, he's building business, he's doing things. His father has not changed. He's still worshiping the Lord. And he's a long way off. And his father must have been paying attention day after day, waiting for his son to come home. So he sees him from a far way off. But has his father moved? He hasn't. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion on him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. He's coming home! He's here! He must have looked raggedy. Can you imagine that? He was living with the pigs. He wouldn't have smelled very good. But my son has returned. And the son said to him, it wasn't like, hey, dad, thanks for taking me back. And then he goes right back in and starts taking advantage of everything. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Take that raggedy clothes off of him. Change his clothes. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Now, perhaps if he wasn't a humble son coming back and returning, it wouldn't have went this way. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. How amazing is that? His father never turned away. He was continuing to live his life. I would imagine he was hitting his knees, right? If this wasn't just a parable, he would have been hitting his knees, praying for the son that went out to live in the world and be of the world. And yet his father was all the time waiting for his return. Nobody ever gives the father's perspective. But being a father now, and our children are growing up. I know there's going to be times when our kids go off and do stupid things because we did stupid things ourselves. We just don't always tell our kids. And yet, it is a comfort to know that our parents are still in the same place. They still have the same faith. And when I need them to pray for me, I can say, Mom, can you pray for me in this way? Dad, Grandma, you mentioned your grandmother. Grandma, can you pray for me? Many of us are here because of our grandmas, to tell you the truth. Without their prayers, we wouldn't be here. And so, this example, this parable, showing how that father was steadfast, we all get into this groove. And I'm saying, right, there's habits. The dogs, the horses, the babies, the children, they all see our patterns of behavior and we all need to know that we should establish ourselves in the Lord in this way. And in the same way, 
Be willing to show grace. Be willing to show mercy. But also observe and make sure our children are humble when they do return from that muck and that mire. Not just giving them everything they need right again because sometimes God works as they struggle in those struggles. And so, one passage I'm going to finish with now. Psalm 102, 25-27 says, Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure, and all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. The children of your servants will continue, and the descendants will be established before you. May our children be established as descendants because of our faith. And they take on their own faith, but we are modeling that for them. And so it's very important that we have that steadfastness in the Lord, knowing that whether we're going through trials and tribulations, it's not always sin, it's Sometimes just part of life, and it stinks. But we always have our God who called us to Him first. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.